Coming to you via the internet and your friends at PipesMagazine.com, it's the Pipes Magazine radio show. And no, spiked eggnog on your breakfast cereal is not a holiday tradition, Kevin Godby. Now, I invite you to sit back, relax, the smoking lamp is lit. Here's your host, Brian Levine. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Pipes Magazine radio show. Yes, the sometimes irreverent, sometimes educational, <laughs> sometimes are extra irreverent tonight. But always entertaining weekly pipe smoking broadcast. And I am your host, Brian Levine. Heart, right in the heart of December, the Christmas crush is upon us. It's a little different this year, but still, it's the holiday seasons, the middle of Hanukkah. And on uh, this week's show... A, a brief pipe parts on pipes of occasion is what I'm calling it. Pipes of occasion. And then my guests are uh, several members of the Saturday afternoon uh, Zoom pipe club pipe chat that I've been participating in since, um, well, I believe late April, early May. And we'll have more on that. Uh, and then uh, dual music, Hanukkah and Christmas music this week. Mailbag and rant, all that coming up on this week's episode of the Pipes Magazine radio show. And uh, yes, I am still having fun at my part-time job in the mall, helping people find their favorite Disney gifts for Christmas. Yes, I'm having fun. And yes, at the end of a five, six hour shift there, I am feeling good and tired. So I'm enjoying that. Uh, anyway, so what I did with, uh, remember, if you remember last year, I recorded with my, uh, with my local pipe club, right? You know, sat down with each one, one at a time and recorded some stuff. And, uh, this year I sat down on the zoom thing on Saturday and got, uh, eight or nine of them that hung out with me, uh, that didn't mind being recorded to, uh, answer some questions. So you'll get to hear those questions as the guest part. Uh, keep in mind when you're this pipe club meeting, uh, this pipe club Zoom group, the uh, average age of the people on there are in their 60s. The average amount of experience smoking a pipe is 30 plus years. On a regular day, you might have five or six doctors of pipes, uh, two or three PhDs, MDs, all over the all over the spectrum. So it's a perfect example of what you might find at a pipe club. Uh, so you get to hear that. It was, it was a lot of fun recording with the guys that hung out with me and did that. And I appreciate what they did. So with all that being said, everybody sit back, relax, fire up a bowl. Thank you all for tuning in. And here we go. Everybody wants the best smoke, but you have to use the best tobacco. It just makes sense. Pipe smokers who know great tobacco choose Seattle Pipe Club blends. They're America's favorite luxury tobaccos. Plum Pudding, Mississippi River, Deception Pass, Wild Man, and all of Master Blender, Joe Lankford's blends are legendary. Seattle Pipe Club is handcrafted with the finest tobaccos and old world methods that take a little bit longer to make. The perfect reward for pipe smokers like us. Treat yourself to Seattle Pipe Club luxury blends. There's nothing quite like fishing at dawn or smoking my genuine Missouri Meerschaum corncob pipe, an American legend since 1869. It's the coolest, smoothest pipe I've ever owned. Check them out at corncobpipe.com.
And we are back on the Pipes Magazine radio show, and uh, let, let's talk about it, because you're, you're going to hear me talk about in the interview portion uh, a, uh, a, a Meerschaum pipe that was gifted to me by Mike and Mary McNeil. It's from their 25th anniversary of McClelland. It has the McClelland logo on the front of it. I've taken pictures of it, posted it. I've had, you know, you, you can find it. Uh, I've had the pipe now, I'm pretty sure about, uh, oh, probably about 12 years now. And the only time I smoke that pipe is on times of occasion. All right. So in my, uh, in my, in my pipe world here, I have really four classifications of pipes. I have the Disney pipes, which only one of them I smoke on a semi-regular basis. Um, I have my Virginia summertime morning pipes, and that's really just three pipes that I specifically only save for those hot summertime mornings in the humidity in my Virginias, you know, the, the, the tobaccos that I smoke maybe uh, two or three tins of a year, you know, one bowl in the morning with the first cup of coffee, so on kind of thing. Uh, then the other two categories of pipes that I have and are what I consider and uh, and my my friend uh, Jody Davis kind of coined this, but my workhorse pipes are the ones that I grab and smoke. I smoke them while I'm driving. I smoke them while I'm working on in the yard. I smoke them while I'm uh, when I when I travel. I take a couple of my workhorse pipes with me. Uh, so those those are the ones that I smoke most often. Now, most of those tend to be sandblast. Most of them tend to be uh, smaller or more comfortable pipes. And most and they all smoke really well, really consistently. And I've built up that collection over time. Uh, you know, and, and I, again, they may be flopped on my desk. You may find them in my pocket. You know, you never know where. They're just, they are pipes that smoke well all the time. All right. Then I have the pipes of occasion and a, you know, the, the, the end of a holiday dinner, uh, going someplace special and you want to take a special pipe with you, you know, especially like, like a pipe show, you want to pull out a pipe uh, that impresses everybody. Well, you know, take a you know take four or five five inch long lavats that are sandblasted, and those aren't gonna those aren't gonna impress people. But when you get into the more stylized pipes of some of my uh, some of my Sato collection, uh, I have a very large sandblasted volcano from that uh, that Jody made. I have a Pete Prevost that's a forward canted. I don't know what you call it, giant Dublin thing that sits on its front. I have a Nate King uh, little pierced uh, pierced Dublin that stands on both the little front poker coming out of the bowl and on the on the bottom of the bowl. Um, if we're sitting down for a long movie. Or a, you know, in the days when I cared about what was going on with the NFL, if I'm sitting down for a long football game, I have some larger pipes that are pipes that are more of occasion. I'm going to say that it's possible that some of these are not the best smoking pipes I have because obviously I don't smoke them that often, but 
I have a large meerschaum that was made from a design made from a picture of the Disneyland castle for me and carved by a uh, by a, a, a carver from Turkey and it's a gorgeous pipe but it's big and it takes me three hours to smoke it and you have to hand hold it it's not as comfortable as I would like it to be but by pulling out that pipe and loading it full of my favorite Virginia Perique uh, it makes the occasion more special. So I think all of us need to have pipes of occasion, pipes that are larger, pipes that are more stylized and make things a little more special, pipes that are uh, unique designs or unique shapes make a more I make a pipe of more of an occasion instead of pulling out that straight billiard, you know, uh, just putting another billiard in your mouth. I, you know, I'm, I, re I remember when I was involved in evaluating the Aaron Spelling collection of 600 pipes that were all uh, five and a half inch to six inch long straight billiards, and it was you know, kind of boring. But when you have five or six pipes that are of you know, ultra, ultra design or fun style or big sized or whatever it is, well, it gives you a pipe of occasion, and then you, when you pull it out and smoke it, you know, it just enhances the occasion. So there you go, pipes of occasion. Uh, kind of fits into the holiday theme and fits into what you're about to hear when I sat down with my pipe Zoom club. So that'll be with us in just a moment. This is Internet Radio. Being at the forefront of craft tobacco production for over 20 years, We've been involved in some rather interesting projects at Cornell and Deal. From the Cellar Series to the Small Batch Project, we're extremely proud of how far we've come. So moving forward, we wanted to take it back to basics, and that's what the Burley Flake Series is all about. Burley is an underrated varietal, but there is a ton of nuance there. Using various condimental tobaccos to accentuate different aspects of the air-cured leaf, each blend in this series is intended to showcase different individual subtleties inherent to Burley. It's a simple concept, one that I think really speaks to the essence of what we do at C&D, as a crew of folks who just love tobacco. It's also really good. Cornell & Deal's Burley Flakes series, wherever fine tobaccos are sold. So for this year, we're sitting down with a group of fine people that I have uh, gotten the pleasure of, uh, you know, really one of the true pleasures of this um, uh, of, of this world that we're living in now is this group that I've gotten to hang out with on most Saturdays. Uh, they include a couple of doctors of pipes, a couple of, well, right now there's two real PhDs on. Uh, we had an MD, but he had to go save a life or something. Uh, so I don't know what to, I guess this is kind of like the Chicago pipe club group that started in Chicago, branched out all around the country and Australia. So what, so guys, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to ask you one question. I'm going to ask one question and then I'll ask you guys just to answer it and, uh, you know, answer it the best you can, the most honestly you can. And because Christmas is coming up, or uh, for some of us, we're right in the middle of Hanukkah as this comes out, I would like, uh, if there's any any pipes or tobaccos that you received as gifts over the years that are meaningful that you want to talk about, 
uh, just you know, raise your hands, let me know, and I'll. Uh, uh, any anybody have a gift? Jim, unmute yourself. Go ahead. So, Jim York, what do you have a memorable pipe? Yeah, I have one that it's kind of kind of uh, I'm kind of um, sympathetic or well means means something to me. When I first started getting into better pipes, I uh, I was hanging out in a, a pipe store in Lincolnwood where uh, a lot of us came from, and then switched over to the Chicago Club. But it it was uh, called uh, Harry's Gift and, and Tobacco Emporium. It's out of business now, so I'm not making a you know an ad for them. But anyway, it was a uh, an Upshaw Canadian, and I put it uh, put it away on layaway, and uh, my wife uh, went in and, and got it for my birthday. And uh, paid it off, and I've always had uh, nice memories about that pipe, but I'll never sell it. Now, Jim, do you take that pipe out and smoke it on Christmas Day, or? No, actually, I've been kind of uh, uh, stashing it away just to, to keep. But I did smoke it the other day, and it's a wonderful smoking pipe. And uh, to continue with the story, if you don't mind, yeah, please. I, I bought a, a brother to it. Uh, a, a, this the, the first one was a brown brown one. And I brought a black one, and it's it's still unsmoked, but uh, I have my little little two pipe case, and uh, that 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 was um, a friend of mine was a Chicago policeman, and uh, he, he became ill and died of cancer, and he wanted that pipe, and wanted that pipe, and he never got it, and so I bought it, and that's, that's kind of my crisp pipe. But uh, anyway, I'm sentimental about both of them. That's that's about it. Yeah, those are great. Uh, anybody else have a pipe or tobacco that they got as a gift that they that they want to talk about? Marty, Marty Pulvers, who's been on the show before and was and is a curmudgeon at large, and the owner operator of Pulvers Briars. The there were two gifts that I remember, actually three, but the one I want to start off with was given to me towards the end of my four year undergraduate career by a wonderful friend who knew I smoked a pipe and spent what was then, I'm sure, a lot of his money to get me a Costello, a pipe I had never heard of in 1963 or four, whatever year he gave it to me. And one of the reasons I remember the gift so clearly was not because I revered the pipe, but because I revered the man He's the brightest guy I've ever met. I'm sure he didn't have the highest IQ, wasn't the most knowledgeable about all the facts in the world, but he could cut almost any professor down really quickly because <laughs> he had a brilliant ability to get to the foundation of an argument. He just could cut through all of the factual data kind of crap and get to the nub of an argument so well but he was also a funny and a wonderful person and i let i i lost track because back then you just thought it was forever you didn't realize yeah. what would happen and how you lose touch with people over years another gift i remember so distinctly if i may talk about please was uh during my peace corps training years in uh, 65 it was a long training. We started early in the fall and stretched into the new year. So we took a Christmas break and we all went home and I had this just darling, the door shut. Yeah, Joy can't hear me. Little <laughs> redheaded girlfriend who lived near Boston. 
and she bought me a pound of Ehrlich's Lewisburg Square. How nice mm. of her. Anyhow, those are the two major gifts that somebody who's been peddling pipes for over, for close to 50 years, remembers as being gifted to him. Yeah, wow. and for you to remember one pipe, you've been through thousands or hundreds of thousands of pipes have gone through your hands. Probably in the tens, yeah. Yeah. Tad Gage, doctor of pipes, publisher, author of the uh, the the Idiot's Complete Guide to Cigars, which is perfectly written. Yes, sir. Best Christmas present I ever got was um, I uh, I was coveting this pipe that was up for sale on eBay. Uh, I collect barling old barling pipes, and it was a uh, a barling library pipe. So it was it was in a leather leather case with velvet lining had a uh, about a 12 inch albatross bone stem extension uh it was a bent bent billiard with uh, a stem and you could put the stem on separately and then it was kind of like a normal bent billiard or you could uh you know smoke it with the albatross bone extension and uh it came out to, it comes out to about 18 inches anyway i uh i bid on it uh couldn't didn't meet the reserve uh, back in the old days when you could actually contact sellers uh, <laughs> yeah. a, after a sale. I um, contacted the seller. We couldn't come to an agreement on price, so I just kind of gave up and said, okay, well, that's that. And um, so come Christmas, uh, my late <clears throat> wife, Cindy, and I were exchanging gifts, and she trots out a little package and uh, I had absolutely no clue what it was. And this is probably about at least a month and a half or two months after I bid on that barling. So anyway, I opened up the package. Uh, it's a priority mailbox. I still had no idea what it was. Um, took off the paper, opened it up, and there was that pipe. And wow. he yeah. had uh, sneakily contacted the, uh, the seller Worked out a deal with him. Um, she would never tell me what she <laughs> paid for it, and that was fine. And uh, I was absolutely uh, shocked and surprised. And I still love uh, I love that pipe and still enjoy it. And you know, mostly I smoke it with the short, the short stem. But uh, yeah, on the holidays, I uh, I actually put the albatross bone extension on and and go for broke. So wonderful memory for me and a wonderful uh, gesture on her part. Some of my favorite pipe show memories don't include you, Tad. They include Cindy. Yeah. yeah of course. Can't understand why. Oh, uh, absolutely. Understood. And that's all my friends yeah. have that. And the, the, <laughs> the most senior person of our group, right, Fred? Yeah, I'm afraid so. Fred, did you, you bought your first pipe? Was that from Sir Walter Raleigh himself? <laughs> I believe it was yeah. uh, my two favorite gifts as far as pipes go uh, don't quite rank with the the high price that these guys are talking about I think one was $10 and the other might have been 20 but the first one came from my wife and two sons uh, when we were in England at the Burlington Arcade I was shopping and they snuck out and went down the street to Peterson and bought me a little bent black carved finish Peterson and gave it to me for Father's Day. I still have it and wouldn't part with it for anything. 
Is that right? The other one was a carved head. And I don't collect carved heads at all. <laughs> but it's a beautiful cavalier carved head. It's made by imported briar. It was given to me by my mother-in-law, believe it or not. And she died shortly thereafter. And to me, that's a treasure. Uh, all my mother-in-law gave me was ulcers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she carved. She was she, quite a pity. Yeah, she carved something else. Uh, <laughs> carved an yeah, in. So, anyway. Those, those two are keepers. Yeah. Anybody else with a favorite pipe gift? Fred Hanna? Yes, sir. Uh, I have a very close friend in the pipe world who told me um, not to mention things like this, but he gave me once this particular tin of Dunhill Standard Mixture Full, <laughs> which was uh, no longer made as of 1981 because uh, this was made in the original um, Dunhill factory, uh, which they, of course, uh, sold out or allowed Murray's to take over in 1981. This is probably from, uh, it says two ounces. There's nothing about grams in it. So it's, I assume, 1975 or so. This is my favorite Dunhill tobacco of all time. Um, that person knew how crazy I was about this stuff. Also knew how exorbitantly expensive it is now. And he gave it to me anyway. He did tell me I didn't deserve it. <laughs> but nevertheless, he did give it to me. I want to show you a pipe, too. Um, yep. Even though this is radio, show and tell doesn't matter much, but um, sure, would love to see a pipe. <laughs> but uh, that's true, but I'm also... Fred you, have showing... a, you, Fred, you have a PhD in psychology, right? Not technology. Nobody ever said I was smart. Okay. okay? Yeah. Just because, like Marty just said, just because I have a PhD doesn't mean I'm smart. Okay, so... Um, this is an extremely unusual pipe. It is a no-name, unstamped pipe. Nobody knows who the hell made it. It had a bizarre stem on it that I had Ronnie B. redo the stem, according to my uh, and his discussions, what might look best for it. As you can see, there's literally no stamp on it whatsoever. As you can see, even the other side, has unbelievable straight grain all the way around. Regis McCafferty bought a large uh, estate, and he saw this in there, and he thought of me as soon as he he got it, and he sent it to me as a gift. And um, it's just a, the the real surprise was how incredible this pipe smokes. It's a fantastic smoker, and we don't have a clue who made this pipe. Um, so for those for those that are listening to this, you can kind of imagine it's like a it's almost like a Bell Dublin with a natural plateau top and just a nice yeah, bend yeah. to it and yeah and of course because Fred Hanna has it, it has perfect straight grain whether or not he painted that on himself. Uh, but we need to take a break right here because also on this call is Steve Fallon and Steve saw that 1981. Dunhill standard mixture full and is salivating all over. Uh, and I'm sure we'll get him to talk about it. So stay with us. We'll be back in just a minute. A Savinelli pipe is a testament to a long legacy fortified by well-worn hands and destined to be enjoyed for generations. 
For over 150 years, Savinelli has been dedicated to sourcing the world's finest briar, committed to pushing the boundaries of pipe design, and devoted to the tradition of Italian pipe making. Savinelli is more than a mark. They're a way to help you make your mark. And like you, there can only be one Savinelli. And we are back visiting with my uh, Saturday afternoon pipe club. Anybody else have any, before we move on to the next question, anybody else have any pipes or tobaccos that they were gifted for holidays? Rob, in, Rob Capuccio down there in Australia uh, is the one foreigner besides, well, I guess the Californians um, that we have on here. Rob, first I got I got to ask you: Does Santa Claus wear a big fur and all that hot stuff in Australia, considering it's summertime at Christmas? Uh, only when we do Christmas in July. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely, that's so, our winter. Um, no, absolutely. I've got um, for many years I'd lusted and sort of wanted a, a high-end artisan pipe, and um, I remember always perusing SmokingPipes.com and. I always came across some um, Roman Kovalev doctor's pipes and um, I always wanted one of his pipes, but they were always too expensive for me. And um, it ends up that my birthday is a few weeks before Christmas and um, uh, some family members got together and gifted me some money. And it was the first time that, that um, I managed to, you know, get the funds together to buy a four figure pipe. And uh, I, I went one further. I got in touch with Roman and, um, I sort of had a good chat with him on Instagram and uh, he put together a, what he thought I would like as a commission. He got that thing made in no time and it was here by Christmas and uh, first light on Christmas Day, it was um, a sort of quarter bent, bent billiard with his, you know, standard crazy bamboo styling and uh, it, it, it's a, a, an absolute fantastic smoker. I smoke it every week. And is that also when you say Bob's your uncle? Uh, we can say that if you like. I'll say whatever you want me to say if I've got a Roman Kovalev pipe. Uh, in fact, um, it started a trend. So since then, I you know went ahead and I've got three Romans in the collection now. All of them are commissions. And uh, yeah, it, it was uh, a slippery slope. <laughs> and and do you, only, do you only pull it out for special occasions or do you, or is it in the regular rotation? Uh, you, know, you know what? I always had that mindset that, you know, special occasion tobaccos and special occasion pipes, but I got rid of that a long time ago and uh, every day is a special occasion now. So I'll smoke that thing whenever the, you know, the mood fancies me anytime from Monday to Sunday, any, any week of the year, a any day that ends in Y pretty much. <laughs> the only thing I won't, the only thing I won't do is I won't put a Latakia blend in it. I, I don't want to kill it. Oh, good. Yeah. <laughs> Anybody else with a, with a pipe smoke pipe or tobacco related gift? No, right. Yeah, this is Mike Zika. I yeah. don't have a pipe and tobacco gift, but I got a gift from two of my best professors at University of Illinois at Chicago. One was Brian Gluss. I had my second statistics class with him. And the other one was Dan Amick. And I had my introduction to social psychology class with him. Both smoke pipes during class. And they gave me the uh, love of the pipe. And I just wanted to do, uh, say that that was the best gift you could get. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. All right, let, let's fast forward. Let's jump ahead to the next question. Does anybody have a Christmas slash Hanukkah holiday pipe smoking tradition? 
uh, do you, you know, do you wait until when the, when the kids were younger? Cause nobody here is really young and old, young enough to have young kids laying, running around. Uh, did you wait until the kids all went to bed and have a pipe at night or, you know, after the presents in the morning, open up after everything was opened up? Did you sit down with a pipe? Any, any special pipes that you smoked for Christmas? Not me. Not Jim, me. Jim, do you Not have me. one? Jim doesn't talk much on the regular Zooms, but we'd record this and he's all about it. So <laughs> he, uh, he got me going here uh, knowing I'm recorded. Uh, but this isn't any big deal. I'm sure a lot of you guys do the same thing uh, I do. But usually on Christmas Eve or, or uh, Christmas Day Eve, um, I'll just break out one of my best pipes and I'll try and break out a a vintage McClellan or, or other, some other very good tobacco and sit in front of the fire and, uh, you know, with Christmas music going, maybe have a scotch with it and just smoke my, that one of my best pipes with one of my best tobaccos. Simple as that. Uh, the, it's funny you said McClellan cause one of the, uh, one of the special treat pipes that I'll pull out for holidays is the McClellan Meerschaum that they made 25 of that Mike and Mary gave me uh, 10, 15 years ago. And it's one of the few times when I'll pull out a Meerschaum is when it's time to sit down for a long, yeah, maybe, a maybe the, uh, a, a Christmas movie on, uh, uh, you know, after Christmas day and everybody's done we'll, we'll sit down with that. Um, since we have so many well seasoned pipe smokers, I think Rob, you might, you might be the least seasoned at what, 15 years of pipe smoking or so. Uh, about 10 of pipe smoking, but 25 plus for cigars and tobacco combined. Yeah. So there you go. There's the rookie in the bunch. Um, you know, we have Marty Pulvers who's been smoking a pipe for what Marty, weren't you, didn't you leave Egypt in Exodus with, uh, with a pipe in your mouth? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. I just share bowls. With, he used to share bowls with King Tut. <laughs> yeah, I took, I took a lot of heat for that because people, the Egyptians could trail the smoke. <laughs> <laughs> and we also have Steve Fallon, who has been surprisingly quiet, and Chuck Stanion, who has been usually quiet. So, uh, Steve Fallon, this is a question for you. If you could rewind all the way back to your first couple of pipes and your first pipe smoking experiences... What would you tell your younger self to do differently? Well, the oh, first thing, if I wanted to get started, uh, <clears throat> was to uh, avoid the um, drugstore aromatics that I started out with. Uh, but after a month or so of having my tongue in a sling, I talked with uh, a veteran <laughs> pipe smoker who informed me that he had some pretty good stuff uh, that he'd like for me to try. And one of them was... Uh, the old Rattray's uh, Black Mallory. And so I tried that and I said, wow, uh, new experience. And so I've been uh, buying more quality tobaccos ever since. And it's been very helpful. Chuck Stanion of uh, smokingpipes.com. What advice would you have given to your younger self that might have uh, changed your path? I think it's the same advice most people would give themselves is to dry out the damn tobacco. 
stop trying to smoke it wet. You're you're just not gonna have fun. And and uh, and Chuck, who writes beautifully, just loves speaking in public, don't you? Well, I I, I talk like a longshoreman, so <laughs> it's uh, you know it's such a contrast between the way I write and the way I can talk. <laughs> that uh, I try to keep my mouth shut. <laughs> and your your wife loves that of you. Um, anybody else have any advice that they would like to volunteer for their younger selves? No. Yeah. Yeah. If you go, don't. Ahead. go ahead, Dina. Yeah. Um, I'd like to. Uh, I'd yeah. like to say, if if you enjoy it from the start, make sure you buy as much tobacco as you can afford. Um, you're not. That's as you've been saying the whole time, Brian. It's never going to get cheaper or more readily available. Yeah. Um. And some's likely to get discontinued along the way. If you find something you like, stock the hell up on it. Yeah. Rob, when you started smoking a pipe, how much was a 50-gram pouch in Australia? It was actually really, you know, uh, quite affordable compared to today's standards. It was less than 20 bucks. Um, and now we're uh, 20, uh, 50 gram pouch is above 120 bucks. So there you Whoa. go. <laughs> yeah. Well, <laughs> now we got now we have to bleep out Chuck the Longshoreman. Um, but that's good. He's taking a well, shot. Let me also add. Let, let me also add, and that is, um, <laughs> if you can find someone who who will actually stock some and sell you some, um, yeah. you know, you really you, you really need to. Uh, I, I wish I'd prepared a little better in my earlier days. Marty, you wanted to add something. I wanted to add uh, two little things. One, addressing Chuck's reluctance to talk in public when we asked him to speak at our pipe show our Las Vegas pipe show, Chuck wrote back and said, I don't like to talk in public. And I wrote back to him and said, I didn't ask you if you like to talk. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, he was kind enough to actually accede. But uh, the, the advice I would give myself, and because I'm a little s slow on the uh, uptake, probably <laughs> everybody else figured this out for themselves very early but i would say in terms of pipes pay attention to those aspects of a pipe that you like the features that you like if you can hone in on that a little bit you'll r reduce the mistakes you make in buying pipes that don't appeal to you do you have an example of an aspect that you that you don't like now that you could have that could have helped you? Absolutely. For me, the most important part of a pipe is the last quarter inch of the stem and the way it feels in the mouth. And now I can look at some beautiful pipes, but I'll look at the stem and I'll realize it's not the pipe for me because it won't be comfortable for me. Uh, so it allows me to not it allows me to avoid having to examine let's say at a pipe show hundreds of pipes i can home in on those that i know will be most you know adaptable for for the way i smoke craig you haven't said anything at all and you're kind of the organizer ringleader of this whole mess i mean uh, this whole group of uh, the lunatic fringe uh do you have any advice to your to your younger self well, uh, since I only started smoking a pipe about five years ago, um, my, my first advice would be to start a little younger. 
But yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, there's so much great advice that I've just heard that, you know, I, if, if I would have known this five years ago, I could have self, you saved myself a lot of uh, literally pain, um, you know, avoiding the aromatics to start with. I, I've come to where I, I don't, I, I recommend that new, new pipe smokers don't start with aromatics. It's as appealing as that sounds. I think it's one of the hardest tobaccos to smoke. They're, they're next to impossible to dry out enough to get them uh, comfortable to smoke and Really, I think you have to be a pretty skilled pipe smoker to smoke those darn things. So I, if I were starting all over again, I'd start with where I had my epiphany, which was with an English. Uh, it was dry enough uh, to smoke, had plenty of flavor, so I didn't have to puff so hard. Um, and it, it really, it was, I was at the point of almost giving up when I, when I discovered that. And you know, I was maybe a year before I was able to move on to Virginia's and where I, Come skilled enough to appreciate the subtlety of those, but now that's that's mostly what I smoke. Yeah. So, so start smoking a pipe sooner. Uh, would it also be? You know, we we got some old timers here. So you know, some old timers, long established. So it sounds like one of the things that we ought to do maybe is you old timers ought to go out and adopt a young smoker. Take them under young pipe smoker. Take them under your wings, and maybe if there are young pipe smokers listening, and you want to find you want to you want to find a, an old timer to kind of apprentice you, uh, reach out to me, and I'll put you in contact with Fred Hanna, and you'll quit smoking a pipe tomorrow. Uh, <laughs> or I want you to know, I adopted Tad Gage. I want you to know that. And that's a per look where Tad is now. That's a perfect example of why we'll send him to Steve Fallon. And at least though. Um, all right. So in, in just a few more minutes and, and uh, Chuck Stanion, this won't be fair to you because this is your first time joining us. But for the rest of you, you know, normally in a year we would look back and say, you know, we had a great time at this pipe show or that pipe show, but. I'm going to go around the horn of those that have been on these zooms more often. And I would, and just, do you have a favorite, a favorite memory from these zoom meetings that we've been doing now for <laughs> six, seven months? And, I think we all know what that's going to be. And, and, <laughs> and I will, Hannah. I will only allow Fred Hanna's moment of glory to be used once. So Fallon, you cannot go on that one. Um, <laughs> But all right, I, all right, Steve Fallon, would you like to go first? And and what it, what was your favorite moment from the six months or seven months or how long has it been? Eight months of these. Um, but go ahead, Steve. Yeah, well, I really would like to talk about Fred's upchucking, but I missed it. <laughs> oh, so, <laughs> oh. Uh, so I I can't uh, unfortunately I can't do that. But I really feel for the guy because uh, you know I've seen that happen before. Uh, at my own pipe club with a couple of people and it wasn't pretty uh, it sure didn't smell good but anyway uh, <laughs> my favorite uh, you know with these zoom meetings once I started attending them was finding out just how much fun I was having getting to know all of these people that I knew just through uh, short emails with business or had met once at a pipe show uh, you know, uh, a prime example, uh, when when I met uh, Jim York at a, at a pipe show, I thought the guy was uh, utterly, you know, he didn't talk. 
now, <laughs> now I find out that he's nonstop. Uh, <laughs> and that's okay. And then, of course, I've never met Rob out there in Australia, uh, but listening to his stories and talking about what it's like to be a pipe smoker in Australia, I find fascinating. Uh, so those are just a couple of examples of uh, the great camaraderie I have discovered through Zoom. And quite frankly, uh, once we start pipe shows again, I hope we continue these Zoom meetings because they've been yeah. uh, absolutely a pleasure for me. And now the, the more senior of the two Freds, um, Fred, when did you actually, when did you start smoking a pipe? 1958. Okay, so we got the real date. So you did not buy a pipe from Sir Walter Raleigh. No, no, no he, he, he passed away a few days earlier. <laughs> now my favorite, my favorite thing probably, well, first of all, I wait all week for this meeting. This, this is a highlight of my weekend or week. But one of the neat things for me is Australia, looking out at his backyard and waiting for a kangaroo to go by. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> do you know that there's so when, when we see rob rob is sitting i'm assuming on what we in america would call the back porch and it's kind of a little screened in sheltered thing and when we started this rob was coming on there in the dark at this would start at 4 p.m eastern u.s time so it was 5 a.m. in Australia, 6 a.m. in Australia. It would be dark, and that tree didn't have any leaves on it. Thought it was just a dead stick. And now <laughs> we come on. It's bright and sunny there. The tree is full of leaves, and the wind's blowing. And we did, you know, if if Rob wanted to be a really good Australian ambassador to the pipe world, he should have a kangaroo walking by once or twice. It's coming. <laughs> and, and on that note, Rob, do you have a favorite? moment from these because i mean you yeah out, out of everybody well, you're the craziest to get up that early in the morning just to visit with us on a sunday morning i was reflecting on it just over the last few minutes thinking what my answer would be to that and um i don't have a moment but i have um a series of you know every, every week that i've been meeting you guys um i've had a real fast track education into uh into the things that i was never likely to hear and see and read about you know, about uh, the pipe makers that you guys have met over the, you know, the 20 years that you've been attending the Chicago Pipe Show or however long it's been, you know, conversations with Bo Nord and Ingo Garbe and, uh, you know, uh, Paul Ilstad and all of these guys. And I'm like reflecting on that and I'm never likely to hear these kinds of first world accounts unless um, I was lucky enough to be a part of these Zooms. So it's been fantastic each and every week. Tad Gage, next. Next victim. I I have to say I I it's not really one memory, but I think it's the um, kind of the wonderful rambling nature of uh, of these meetings and get-togethers. I mean, it's very much like getting together at a at a pipe show and sitting around a table. I think a lot of us at shows have sometimes been running off in all different directions, and sometimes they'll finish a show and. Uh, it was like, gee, I didn't even get to talk to my old friend, you know, because we were just in different places. But I, I think the uh, the conversation just kind of reaffirms the uh, the beauty of, of being a pipe smoker, because we've talked about pipes, we've talked about tobaccos, memories, new stuff. 
and then uh, you know morphed into. Gosh, we've had I've had discussions with the guys about um, trade trade with China and world politics and uh, a million different subjects, and I I think that in itself is almost a highlight because it's so much like uh, you know what what we do when we have a great get together around a table or in a sitting room at a at a at a pipe show. And now, uh, who did I miss? Because uh, the screen shuffled around and I was going in order on my screens here, so I'm in trouble. Uh, Mike Zika, I don't think we've, I, I don't think we've heard from you. No, thanks for, uh, thanks for asking. So yeah, it's a lot like what Tad says. It's when you go to a pipe show, you get a chance to talk to everybody, but it's a smaller a chunk of time. But here we get to spend time three, four, five hours every week hanging out. And I just feel like we've all become really, really good friends uh, talking about every topic under the sun. And uh, yeah. I get a lot of good ideas for articles for Pipe Collector during our meetings too. So that's the best thing. But the friendships is, is really what matters. And a lot like what I said with those two professors that gave me a love for the pipe, it's the friendships that really mean the most. And Fred Hanna, would you like to talk about your favorite memory that you gave everybody and what happened during that time? Well, I will just for the sake of your cheap entertainment. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and don't forget your perverse sense of pleasure. Um, I, uh, I, I confess that um, I certainly haven't been around as, as much as the senior Fred here. Um, by senior, by the way, I don't mean in age. I mean by, in terms of his uh, sophistication, insight. And by the way, Fred is a former professor himself. Um, so I had the um, misfortune of being uh, intrigued by the uh, opportunity uh, to smoke Rustica tobacco which of course uh, you you know listeners may or may not know is made by uh, McClellan, or sorry McBarrens, and it's called HH Rustica. So I, uh, fool that I am, made the statement to myself and then later to you all, yes, that I had a very high tolerance of nicotine. Yeah, which to turned out to be complete horseshit, <laughs> and. I, um, I, you know, loaded it into a pipe. Thank God it wasn't one of my better pipes. Um, but, uh, I was just sucking away on that, uh, pipe. You know, I don't know what I was. I was very cavalier. I might've been a short shoreman. How's that Chuck? Um, <laughs> but anyway, uh, as the, um, continue, you know, as it, the smoke continued, guys would be asking me, Hey, Fred, How's that uh, nicotine level in Rustica? Because, you know, officially, Tobacchiana Rustica is three to nine times more tobacco, sorry, nicotine content than uh, Tobacchiana Tobaccum, which is the stuff that we smoke, you know, habitually. And, and uh, I would say, you know, I'm not feeling anything. I'm not feeling anything. And then all of a sudden, Whoops. I started to feel very, very dizzy. And I thought, wow, I'm starting to feel the nicotine here. Didn't think anything <laughs> of it until all of a sudden my uh, stomach made an independent decision and said, no more of this shit. Thank you very much. 
and in front of God and everybody, including the guys on the uh, the uh, the Zoom um, group here, I shamelessly puked in front of all of them more than once, actually about five times. It was, uh, they were, you know, they were very, very accommodating and understanding. They were saying, oh, Fred, that looked like Latakia. Um, Or, you know, making their speculations about what kind of tobacco I was ejecting from my stomach. And, um, and I, uh, I confess that in my um, pipe smoking experience, which started in 1967, uh, never had a tobacco ever made me puke. <laughs> and needless to say, I uh, no longer own any tobacco rustica from McBaron's or anybody else. And, and I'll remind you all that Fred Hanna is the one that we've had on the show before to talk about the benefits of nicotine, and apparently he got overly benefited. <laughs> um, Fred, what I want to know is, who, who told you that rustica was worth smoking? <laughs> who told you, Steve, that Royal Yacht was worth smoking? <laughs> um, but the, so for for the uh, for the sake of time because we're because this is what happens with these we run long with them and our wives think that we're in this room talking to ourselves forever and have abandoned them um we will we will cut this here and i will just give uh you know just i'll, I'll reiterate you know two things that i think that were unique to this one um a lot of you got to understand what it's like to get exposed to the diatribes of Mike McNeil and the wonderful stories that seem to go on forever <laughs> and sometimes on repeat, but are just fascinating. And uh, the other thing that came out of this was, yeah, this is, you know, this group actually physically helped me because this is where we, where the discussion began with uh, what was going on with my son's health over the summer. And in, 15 minutes, Neil was able to fix that. So uh, it's been a highlight of my week. I do hope we continue it. I really want to see you all in person soon. Uh, you know, uh, and it's been fun watching some people's hairstyles change over the times, Steve Fallon. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. some have hair. Um, and I might show pictures of Steve Fallon's hair from today. So. Uh, thank you guys for doing this. Thank you all for uh, for dealing with me. Uh, Merry Christmas. Happy Hanukkah. And <laughs> we'll wrap up the interview portion of this. And we can go back to uh, Chuck Stanion's long, Longshoreman diatribe. So we'll be back in just a minute. <laughs> Have a look in your tobacco cellar. What do you see? Think of what you smoke what you age, what you're drawn to in a blend that keeps you wanting more. That's your taste, and whether you know it or not, you've been leading that expedition since you first picked up a pipe, just by smoking what you like and liking what you smoke. But the funny thing about taste, it changes, and you need a wide selection to accommodate it. We at Smoking Pipes know this, and you know it too. So whether you're searching for a tried and true favorite or a singular boutique mixture, we're here to help you navigate the voyage of your evolving tastes. But you're still at the helm, smoking pipes in faithful service of the hobby. 
This is Internet Radio. And we are back on the Pipes Magazine radio show. And let me just say also some of the noted luminaries that were not there include uh, Rich Esserman, uh, Dino, the official music director of the uh, Pipes Magazine radio show. Dino usually hangs out with us. A bunch of others, including Mike McNeil, who's been learning a lot about pipes because he spent so many years worried about tobacco and just now is learning about pipes. So. uh, one of the yeah, one of the things that is besides the fact that you know it, it's just sometimes I just sit there and listen to these guys talk because there's so much knowledge, so much wisdom, so much uh, experience in this group that you know I can just sit there and listen for hour and a half, two hours, and pick up stuff. Um, but one of the things that truly amazes me is when you talk to the two Freds or uh, Rich Esserman. Uh, both of them can literally remember every pipe they've ever owned, who they bought it from, where they, if they didn't know, if they don't own it anymore, who they sold it to, how much they sold it for, what they paid for it, back and forth. Just incredible memories. Me, on the other hand, I look at the pipes and go, well, I got it somehow. Anyway, all right, holiday music, holiday music, two different, uh, two different pieces. And uh, from Dino comes the first one and it's for hanukkah it's the panorama jazz band with uh, mark rubin jew of oklahoma and this is their version of spin the dreidel mark rubin jew of oklahoma here with the panorama jazz band wishing you and yours a happy hanukkah from down here in balmy new orleans let's play a little dreidel It's my favorite time of year Gathered family far and 
Hagen. That is the Panorama Jazz Band. Mark Rubin, you can find them on YouTube. And then switching to the other side of the holidays, uh, several recommendations for Phil Kagey, who we've played on the show before and is a pipe smoker. Uh, this one was pointed out to me by, I believe, uh, Jim Friedman. And it's uh, Silent Night done with uh, Phil Kagey with the London Festival Orchestra.
You can find more on Phil Kagi on Spotify, Amazon Music, and all that. Again, it's Phil, P-H-I-L. Last name is Kagi, K-E-A-G-G-Y. Well, let's see what's in the mail. And remember, if you have a comment or question, you can post it on the Pipes Magazine radio show page right on PipesMagazine.com, or you can email me or uh, tweet at me or uh, you know follow me on Facebook or Instagram and send me a message there. And uh, going back to uh, last week's show, uh, Jeff Burns writes, Brian, just finished the interview with Riley. It was neat to hear the musings of a new pipe smoker. I also greatly appreciated her shout out to the Pipe and Pint. As a Greensboro native, I bought my first basket pipe and several ounces of Lane tobacco there many years ago. I continue to patronize them regularly. They are really nice folks that run a great shop. Uh, Then he says, uh, one question though, regarding the snowmen falsely representing themselves as frosty. When I see these snowmen in retail stores without their requisite corncob pipe, should I berate and complain to the hourly employees? I'm sure they could resolve that issue for me, right? (laughs) Thanks for the great show. Keep up the good work. (laughs) Yeah, don't, don't. Don't berate the people that work there. They don't do the buying of it. But what I do suggest you do is when you see one, you know, put a corncob pipe in his mouth. Um, If you see one in your neighborhood, yeah, jam a pipe in its mouth. That'll do it. That'll show them right there. All right. And uh, Dino writes, uh, what a sparkling and fun and interesting conversation with Riley. It's always a treat to witness and welcome a new convert to the community and reminisce about our first lights. Totally enjoyed the music picks this week. Thumpity thump thump as he puffed his stubby cob. Uh, Good Yontif, Brian, Dino. Thank you, Dino. Good to see you on Saturday. Uh, Casey Ghost says, It was a very good interview of a new pipe smoker. Brian did an excellent job of exploring her noobdom, and, and it really paid off. I found it surprising that while she had nothing, uh, nothing of value to say regarding pipe smoking, that her interview was a pleasure to listen to. The first song was most enjoyable, whereas the other one was not. Dan says it as he sees it, and I like that. All right, iTunes ratings and reviews would be absolutely wonderful. If you're on Apple Podcasts, please go there and rate and review the show. We would much appreciate that. And, uh, boy, we're running long again. Rant time is coming up next. This is Phil Morgan, General Manager of Missouri Meerschaum Corncob Pipes in Washington, Missouri. Our mission since 1869 has been to produce great smoking pipes that anyone can afford. We guarantee our pipes won't be your most expensive, but they just might be the ones you smoke the most. At Missouri Meerschaum Company, we don't just sell our corncob pipes. We grow them, make them, and smoke them. Missouri Meerschaum, Washington, Missouri, since 1869. about fuzz yeah fuzz balls little fuzzy things and here's where we're going to talk about them we're going to talk about them in your pipes and in your socks because as i've been as i've told you before about every three four months i take my pipes apart 
I use bristle cleaners and go through them and get all the pipe fuzz out of the middle and get the tenon mortise area cleaned out real well. Well, the other thing you need to do, and I'm going to do this too, is sit down, take every pair of socks you have, turn them inside out, and then wash them. And then you get rid of all that sock fuzz that comes off when you take your, you know, you, you, when you take your socks off. Then you don't have sock fuzz all around the bedroom or wherever you take your socks off. You don't have that sock fuzz rolling around at you anymore. So when you clean your pipes do the same thing with your socks turn them turn your socks inside out wash them in the washing machine and dryer and then return them back out and i know that's going to be a long process for me but hopefully yeah hopefully there's a decent movie on or something to watch on tv while i'm doing that to all my pairs of socks including dress socks and sport socks and stuff uh but at the same time it's also a good reminder to uh, do that to your pipes, all right? Make sure that you clean out that tenon mortise area and get all that pipe cleaner fuzz out of there because you don't want that fuzz building up in there because that will just make your pipe smoke a little nastier. And you don't want pipe fuzz blowing out through the draft hole, and you might get a piece of pipe fuzz up your up the stem at you occasionally. So keep the fuzz away. There, That's the best thing I can tell you right now. <laughs> All right, um, let's see. Thank you very much to, uh, well, first of all, thank you to the guys in the Pipe Club for tolerating me for all these Saturdays and uh, making uh, this, uh, you know, lack of pipe clubs a little more tolerable. Uh, thank you all for tuning in, and until next time. the clouds when we're together just sing a song and think about sunny weather everyone and after a word from our sponsors we'll have Donner and Blitzen to get their take on the big night to come